And why don't you pray with me as we get started this morning. Father, we just thank you so much for your presence being so strongly with us in worship. And Lord, I ask right now that our hearts would be open to the word you have to speak to us. And Father, I'm asking that you would pour out your grace and anointing on me to be your servant and to be used by you in these few moments we have together. Lord, we, we just love you, Jesus. We do. We, we love you. And we thank you for all that you've done for us. And we just want to draw near to you. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the leaders came up to me during the service and said, you know, I, I just sense that God's wanting to deposit in us a fresh hunger for him. And that's what we want to be, church. We want to be a hungry church for Jesus. And we're doing this series called The Blessed Life. I, I think that's how we move into God's blessing is when we hunger for him. And next week, we're going to try to position ourselves in a place of hunger starting not this Sunday, but next coming Sunday. We're going to jump into three days of prayer and fasting. And we'll talk more about that. We'll have all kinds of resources for you. But what this is, is the time of saying, God, we set aside food. We, we slow down our lives to just hunger and thirst after you, knowing that you're going to come and fill us up. And this is just a season of drawing near to the Lord as a community. We're coming up to World Mandate West. And let me just implore you to be with us this weekend. You, you never want to miss the big family reunion. You never want to miss the birthday party. You don't want to miss Christmas. And this is like reunion meets birthday party meets Christmas. People are going to get gifts from the Lord. We're going to come together. People from all over, all over our movement, the Antioch movement, which I'm a part of the leadership. All our churches from the western side of the United States will be in. Uh, we'll probably have about 100 pastors and leaders gathered for our pastors and leaders lunch. And I'm so thankful people were, were taking us seriously. I had numerous people come up and say, okay... You, you mentioned that if we didn't have the finances to just come and tell you, and, and people were taking us up on that. So we really mean that. We, we charged for this conference because we have to pay to rent out the facility, about $10,000, and to fly speakers in. But it's seriously probably the cheapest Christian conference you'll ever find. And the reason is because we want you there. But if you can't afford it, we will, we'll make it happen. For you, and just we'll cop your ticket. Just throw in what you can, you know. Maybe just fast a bente frappuccino, mocha latte, coca mongo, or whatever you, whatever you drink, and, and and just throw that. And and we want you, we want you apart. We're excited about what God's going to do at World Mandate. So we're in a new series. Who knows the name of it? Okay, you don't sound very convincing. The name is the Blessed Life. Who wants a blessed life? Okay, now. We believe that this is God's heart. As a loving father, it's God's heart for us. And today, I want to unpack a very important foundational concept for us. And as I was thinking about this, I was reflecting on a plane flight I took. And it was at a time where I was really tired, so I was ready to just get on that plane and do some personal study. But I'm seriously a very distractible person. And, and, and so when I study, I kind of need, you know, total silence, blind, shut, noisemakers going, need like a womb of silence around me. That was kind of gross. But I, in this plane, it was one of these planes where the, the TVs flip down 
And all of a sudden, this very captivating movie was shown. This was several years ago, and it kind of had a cheesy plot, but basically it was these four astronauts that went through this cosmic cloud, and it exploded around them. And instead of dying, these astronauts are endowed with these supernatural powers. And so one of these guys has this real funky talent who can, like, stretch. And then one guy kind of takes on fire and flies around. And one guy turns into this gnarly, like, rock, freaky creature, strong guy. But then the last one has what I think is the coolest because she can do two things. She can make herself invisible. And then she can put a supernatural shield around herself. Okay, so I think I have a picture. This is Susan Storm putting this shield around herself. That's a sweet name for a superhero. We got Batman, Superman, and Susan. And so here is, here is Susan with her supernatural shield. And, and here's the reason I think we're so captivated by superheroes. You know, in this fallen and broken world, tragedy can strike. Catastrophes happen. And we feel totally powerless to protect ourselves or to protect our loved ones. And so these supernatural powers that these superheroes have, be it strength or be it speed or be it a shield, they, they, they just fill our hearts with hope and a desire. Wouldn't that be awesome if that could happen? Now here's a beautiful thing to make note of in Scripture today. Because God actually calls himself a shield. In Psalm 84, 11, listen to this powerful psalm. It says, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. I just love this picture of this like blinding, fiery sun going forth and shielding us from our enemies. Listen to what else it says. For the Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. You know, the heart of a loving father is to shield his children from disaster, from evil. I saw this so clearly growing up. You guys know that I grew up on a little ranch. And so we were very distant from our closest neighbors. And that makes you somewhat vulnerable. And I remember one evening, we're all sitting upstairs in our house. And this car comes down our long driveway. So we always would make note when someone's coming down onto our, our ranch. And, and then the doors open. And we just had that feeling. That feeling that you've probably gotten before of, these people are not good. These people have wicked intent. And so these, these creepy men got out of the car. And, and they start walking towards our house. And so myself, my mother, my little sisters are, are getting pretty freaked out. And the thing is, we couldn't yell out to a neighbor and no one could, could come and rescue us. And we knew we didn't have time to call the police. They would take a long time. And so my dad, now, now if you've ever met my dad, he's one of the kindest guys ever. So nice, so smiling. He's like a big golden retriever, except he doesn't have any hair. So he's like a ball golden retriever. And he... <clears throat> But my dad also was a college football player. He's a middle linebacker, and so he could lovingly knock your head off. And so in that moment, and I'm not, I'm not condoning this, but in that moment, what my dad did was he walked to a closet, and, and he gently pulled out a shotgun. And my dad, with his shotgun and his massive frame, just walks out the door. 
And you can imagine what happened next. These guys quickly got a look of uh, a fear and, and, and startle on their face and jumped in the car and sped off down the driveway. And at that moment, I had a revelation. My dad is bad. <laughs> I, I, I realized when I'm in my dad's house, if I'm positioned behind my dad, I'm going to be safe. I'm going to be protected. Some of you might not have had that experience growing up with your natural father, but I want to tell you that that's how your heavenly father is with you. And he wants to protect us and shield us. He wants to cover us with his protection. And and it doesn't just stop with our physical beings. It doesn't just stop with our our bodies, our spirits. But he goes on. let Let me read an interesting verse to you from Malachi. It says, I will, this is God speaking, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit because it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. God goes on to say, I'm not just, I don't just want to be a shield to protect you and your body and your safety, but I want to protect the work of your hands. I want to protect your resources. I want to protect your possessions. Now, something I'm really tired of seeing is Christians being devoured by the enemy. I hate seeing Christians, especially when they feel like they're picked on, when they feel like they're just living under a curse. And one of the main ways and one of the main causes of stress and anxiety I see is in the area of finances. The, the, the number one cause, I was, I was reading about this, the number one cause of divorce is the area of stress and finances in a marriage. The Lord understands that this is a huge place of anxiety, a huge place of fear, a huge place of concern for many of us. So were there 500 verses in the Bible on prayer? And I think all of us would say prayer is a very important thing. Were there 500 verses on faith? In the Bible, and we would all say, you know, with, without fi- faith, it's impossible to please God. We've got to have faith. I need to tell you, there are 2,000 verses on finances in the Bible. Now, now, listen to this scripture talking about how God wants to relate to you in the area of finances. Malachi 3, we're going to read starting in verse 6 I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from me and from my decrees and have not kept them. Now return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you in tithes and offerings? You're under a curse. You're a whole nation because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there might be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Here's what I know. I know that if I would have started this message by saying, today I'm going to get up and talk about finances, some of you would have started recoiling. And in fact, if I would have said, today I want to talk about the power of tithing. Many of you would have sunk down in your seats and gone, bummer. So that's why I talked about a father who wants to protect you, 
I talked about Susan, who had a supernatural shield. And how God wants to put a supernatural shield around you. Because when I started saying that, your heart start rising up with faith and hope and expectancy. Because you long to have a father who would protect you. You long to have a father who wants to cover you. And see, too many of us have the wrong perception of finances in the kingdom of God. And we think that every time a pastor starts talking about it, it's just because he wants to take from us. When instead the Bible is full of scriptures on finances because our heavenly father wants to protect you and provide for you. That's his heart and his desire. Now, let me just go back to my dad. My dad was a, a real vulnerable guy. So I, re, I remember we're sitting in the balcony of our church growing up. And, and he looks at me with some disappointment, not in me, but in what's going on in his life. And, and he says, you know, Robert, we're, we're called to give a tenth of what God gives us back to him. It's called a tithing. He goes, but I, I'm really frustrated because... I come to the end of every month and I never have a tenth left. So I end up giving two or three percent. And I remember making note of that in my head because what I knew was that my dad, for him, finances were the greatest cause of anxiety in his life. He, he, he was a really hard-working guy. It wasn't a work ethic. I mean, he had started working at 12 years old on a dairy farm, getting up at 4 in the morning. He was a hard worker, and he wasn't a licentious spender. He wasn't selfish. He never spent anything on him, but he just never could get out of the hole of debt. And I remember that day learning two things from my dad. And I'm not coming down on him because I want to tell you what happened at the end of his, not the end of his life, but now, a few minutes later. But I remember two things that he made note of. The first one is that he wasn't giving 10% that he knew God had commanded him to. And the second thing is he wasn't doing it first. He wasn't giving his first fruits. Let me highlight the term first fruits. Maybe you haven't heard this before. Let, let me illustrate it in a passage of the Bible that might have confused you before. Genesis chapter 4. If you want to turn there with me. Genesis chapter 4. It's the fourth chapter in the whole Bible where this principle is established. It says this. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground of the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn. Say first. Of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Now, as a kid, I was really confused by this. And I just thought, well, God's like me. He doesn't really like vegetables and he loves meat. And, and, and that's not the case because actually throughout the Bible, God will talk about bringing the first fruits of your produce to him. So that's what we, we know about God. That wasn't a deal. He's not, God's not a carnivore, not a, a herbivore. But here's the simple fact. It says this, in the process of time, it came to pass. After some time and after the harvest happened, Cain got around to bring in God some of what his land produced. But Abel was different. It says that he brought what? The first. He brought the firstborn. And, and, and so what happens? It says, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did, not, he did not respect Cain and his offering. Why? Because God asks for the He asks for the first. 
Now, I, I just want to demonstrate this for a minute. I'm looking for a volunteer. Daniel, come on up here. Daniel hasn't, didn't know that I was going to take him. But I, I want to bless you, Daniel. Run, can you run up? Oh, you can jump on the stage. You're a strapping young buck. Come on, come on, let's see it. Oh, Lord Jesus, help him. Yeah, amen. And um, got to be ready in season, out season. Daniel, I want to do something. Let's step over here so everyone can see. Today, you are a training school student. Ooh, there was a mint. I want to bless you. So here we go. I want to bless you with some money. This is actually going to be for you. Okay, so there's $1, $2, $3, 4 5 you're not really respecting it. Six, seven, eight, okay, nine, and ten. Okay, here's ten dollars. Now, Daniel, what would be a tithe of that ten dollars? One dollar. Brilliant. One dollar. He got it. So, one tenth of ten is one. You got it right now. Here's here's maybe a trickier question, Daniel. Which one is the first fruits? First one he gave me. The first. He got it. This is, this guy's got it. Okay, so it's the first one. And this is what God says. He says, the first of the first fruits are mine. Listen, listen to the scripture. Just stand here for a second. Exodus 23, 19. The first of the fro- first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Or Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Easy on that, buddy. Now, um, so here's my question, Daniel. Should you, after the service, go to In-N-Out Burger, spend all you want, and then see what you have left over? No, you got it. You got it. Can I get an usher up here real quick? Help this brother out. Okay, let's, uh, Kyle, thank you for coming. So, so Daniel, here, I'm setting you up for blessing right now. What should you do with that 10% or that first fruits that's in your left hand? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Daniel Lamont right here. Great job. It's, no, it's yours. No, that, that is yours. Happy in and out day. So, you know, here, here's what tithing, here's what giving the first fruits says. It says, God, I put you first place in my life. When I get paid, when I get my paycheck, the very first thing I do is to write that check and give it to the Lord. Okay, here's what it says. God, you are ahead. I put you first over the mortgage company. God, I put you ahead of the university if you're a college student. God, I I put you ahead of my hobby, of, of the latest Apple product that I want. Lord, I put you... I put you first place over my wife and over my kids. It's saying, God, I put you first place. Here's the second thing it says. It says, I have faith, Lord. I'm living a life of faith, and my faith is in you. You bring it first. You give the first 10% to God. I I tell you, the reason it's so hard for some people is they go, I I just don't know how it could happen. I don't know how. I I don't know how to make it. And that's why it's a step of faith. You first give to the Lord and then watch him. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the other things will be added to you. Here's the last thing it's saying when you give 10%. You're saying, God, I'd rather just have 90% and your blessing than 100% and be outside of the blessing of God. Amen? Now, now here's what I know some of you are thinking. Well, that's great for you as a pastor to say, and that's great that you do that, Robert. But I'm just trying to trying to make it and... 
you know, maybe someday when I mature in the Lord or maybe someday when I get more radical for Jesus, maybe I can start doing it. Then I kind of see it like this. You don't start driving a car and then say, someday I'm going to learn to put my seatbelt on. Hello? You, you say, I'm going to do it because I'm commanded to by the government and I know it's going to protect me. And that's what tithing is like. But, but in case you're, you're, you're struggling with this, I, I want to bring up someone who's a, a relatively new believer. And for you to hear what happened in their life when they placed this foundation as a discipline of their, of their faith in God. So let's welcome Jessica Matley up to the stage right now. Jessica, come up and share with us right now. Hi, friends. Hi, my name is Jessica Matley, and I'm here today to share my tithing experience. So I reluctantly accepted an invitation to All People's Church for Easter Sunday, 2011. And I say I was reluctant uh, because it was a little outside of my comfort zone. I was a vocal, devout, comfortable atheist, so it was a little unusual for me. Um, I was surprised that my coworker Shelly Laughlin even invited me to church on Easter since she knew where I stood, she knew I wasn't a big fan of the God thing, and I would have absolutely turned down her offer if she didn't ask a brilliant question first, which is, are you doing anything on Easter Sunday? <laughs> and I said no, and I was here. <laughs> As I continued to attend over the next couple of months, I stopped assuming that there was no God and started to question if it were possible. I started to put my prideful thinking aside and wondered if maybe I could be wrong. Maybe there could be a God after all. And just like that, I'd given God the foothold he'd been looking for and everything he needed to change my heart, my life, and remove any doubt that I ever had. Shortly thereafter, I was saved on New Year's Day 2012 when I was, yeah, woo! It's an easy anniversary to remember. Um, as I was walked through a simple and life-changing prayer after the service. As I discovered more about God and his blessings, I learned about tithing. A term I was familiar with, but always had very negative thoughts about. I remember Pastor Rob really diving into the topic of tithing during the money series. With Veronica playing Belinda, the hilariously informative dollar bill. My first thought was, here we go. This is where they tell me how much it costs to go to heaven. Instead, I learned that it had nothing to do with that. Because the debt of my sins was already paid by Jesus when he died on the cross. Amen. And I took that free gift of salvation when I asked him into my life. So then, if tithing was not buying a plot of land in heaven, then what was it for? I learned that tithing, or a tenth, was a biblical principle that God provided to teach me how to live a more blessed life. Really, I think of it as a best practice, in a way that God created an opportunity for me to receive more blessing. I know I make it seem like tithing was easy for me, I jumped right on it, but believe me, it was very difficult. I didn't know how I was supposed to give 10% of money I didn't even have. Although some principles in the Bible were harder for me to accept than others, God was a package deal for me. He wasn't a la carte. I wasn't going to pick what I wanted, what I didn't want, and substitute with my own terms and conditions. Wow. 
decided to trust and know that the same God who promised me that I'd have eternal life and salvation through Jesus Christ was the same God who promised me that if I brought my tithe to him, that he would throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that I wouldn't have enough room for it. How could I believe one and not the other? Now, this might not happen to everyone. I will not make promises, but my blessings began the first time I ever tithed. (laughs) I tithed. Next paycheck. Our employers accidentally provided an unplanned, totally accounting error bonus. (laughs) Doubled my paycheck. I know. I know. I know. So to my coworkers, I say, you're welcome. (laughs) Over the next couple of years, my financial situation continued to be blessed. I was making more money at work. I was able to pay off all the credit card debt I had, and now I'm working on those student loans. As a matter of fact, I recently went into my bank, and when they offered a new credit card, I let them know that I wasn't using them anymore. They looked at me like I was crazy town, and I told them that I was working on a debt-free lifestyle. Apparently, that's a new thing. It's not, <laughs> not the normal God even warned me in a dream about a very bad, financial, impulsive decision I was about to make, saving me from enormous and unnecessary debt and headache. In addition, God has continued to bless me in the areas of my marriage and my family. At first, I was very nervous to share with my husband that I was tithing. I didn't know how I would explain it. I didn't know how he would receive it. Um, But thankfully, he's been very supportive He's given his life to God. I know. And he's been learning about Jesus himself during a life group we host in our home. Relationships with my family are also being restored and reshaped in ways that were just impossible enough to be from God only. As I was preparing to speak with you all this morning, I took some time to reflect on my overall tithing experience, and I confess that I've realized there have been periods where I haven't been as consistent as I wanted to. My fault. I write checks. Nobody does that anymore. But I have started automatic payments, so they'll be automatically deducted on my my payday. It's a way to foolproof myself. Overall, my life has been blessed in more ways than I can deserve as I've worked to align myself with the principles that God has established. More importantly, I'm thankful that he's provided clear guidelines as a way for me to live the blessed life possible. Thank you. (laughs) Great job. I I didn't even need to preach today. I mean, that was incredible. Let's, Let's dive in for the last few moments here in this Malachi three passage to just finish by unpacking this because I think there's some really important truths that you need to grab hold of. The, the first thing it says in verse six is, I, the Lord, do not change. And a few of you in here have probably been subjected to some bad teaching in the, in the church that says, you know, tithing's no longer important. That's an Old Testament principle or that's a part of the law. But in the New Testament, we're set free from that. Now, Here's what we could say about the law. You know, the Old Testament, there's these laws like 
uh, thou shalt not kill, or thou shalt not commit adultery, or thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. But it doesn't mean now in the New Testament that we should do those things. Uh, Of course, what it does mean is that we don't have to tithe to be saved, right? Just like Jessica said, our salvation doesn't depend on that. It's purely a gift, a grace gift from God that we receive what he did on the cross and how he defeated the power of sin and death by raising from the dead. But it, it doesn't, amen, it doesn't, though, invalidate the blessing and the protection principle of tithing. Here, here is actually what Jesus said about tithing. Because some people think, well, Jesus just threw it all away. He says in, in Matthew 23, 23, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Jesus actually reaffirmed tithing. But, but if you want to get all New Testament on me, then, then, then here's what Jesus said. Sell all your possessions and give to the poor. All right, you, you want to know what Jesus is really saying about your finances? Just give it all away. Now, now <laughs> this, this is just ridiculous teaching. And, and, and what these teachers are doing is they're stealing our protection and they're stealing the blessing that comes from that. God's saying, I do not change. I think that's why I put it right in front of this passage. And so we would know, hey, I haven't changed on this. I'm the father that wants to set up a protection around you. Let's, let's keep going here real quick. I want to unpack a couple more things. It says, it says this. Here, where are we? Ever since... The time, verse 7, ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord. But you ask, how do we return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. Now here's the deal, guys. I don't want to rob God. You wouldn't think about going to your next door neighbor when they're not looking, pulling out their jewelry, stuffing it in your pocket, going, hee hee. Right? You, you wouldn't do that. But God says this, he says that the first fruits, that first 10%, it's mine. It's not yours anyway. It's not mine anyway. So I don't want to keep it. I do not want to rob God. I need that like I need a hole in my head. And I don't need a hole in my head. I don't want to rob God. So let's just keep going on here. It says this, bring the whole tithes into the storehouse. Let, let, let me just say this for a second. I'll often meet with people. Actually, I think I missed a verse here. Yeah, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. I meet with people all the time who are in financial disrepair. Or they have tremendous anxiety because of their finances. This is always the question I ask them. Have you established the foundation of tithing in your life? And inevitably they go, no, no, but, but, you know, I, and they have this different, this excuse or that excuse. And my heart is compassionate and I don't condemn them. But I unapologetically say, put the foundation of tithing in first and your financial life will be built upon it. I don't want to be under a curse. 
Now, I, I don't know how this whole curse thing works. God doesn't go and unpack it more. I don't know if the curse is coming from him. I don't know if the curse comes from stepping outside of his home. But here's what I know. Curse is bad. Blessing good. Curse is bad. Blessing good. I choose blessing. So here's what he says then. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there might be food in my house. So here's the question. What is the storehouse and and where am I supposed to bring my tithe? What is God's house? So let me ask you this question. If I give money to the poor, which you know that this church believes in, we spend a lot of money on the poor. We set ourselves up to serve the poor. When I give to the poor, is that tithing? No. Why? Because that's not God's house. Here's another thing. We love missions. We have long-term missionaries all over the world. We send hundreds of people all over the nations. When I give to missionaries, is that tithing? No. Those are gifts and offerings. The tithe is the 10% that God says bring where? Into his house. He says bring it into my house. In the Old Testament... The house was the tabernacle. Then it became the temple. In the New Testament, it's very clear. God's house has become his church, his people. So for me and Steph, this might seem funny to you. We get paid by all people's church. And let me just make a a note here for a second. A lot of times the reason people don't want to hear a pastor talk about tithing is they think that they just want to get their church rich and that they want to put a lot of bucks in their pocket. Can I just tell you that if you at the end of the service gave twice as much money, every single person, if, if things doubled or tripled how much money we're making as a church, you know that I won't get one more penny. I won't get one more penny because my salary is not set on how much you give. My salary is set by an external board that looked and said, what are their needs? And we'll set it modestly for today's society. So so when I'm preaching this message about bring it into the storehouse, it's not for me. It's for you. Because I want you to be blessed. And I know that that's God's heart and his promise. So I give to the poor. And I give to missionaries. And I I give to charities. And and, and try to give to kingdom projects. But tithing is bringing a 10% into God's house. And that house is the church. So let's just finish here. It says this. Test me in this. This is the only time we're going to see in Scripture God say this. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. God's saying this. It's it's not just that I want to protect you. Children, I want to bless you. My kids, I want to bless you. I don't want Hallie and Hudson, Joshua and John Mark to just be protected. I want to bless them. I want to pour out blessing on them. Let me just tell you, as Steph and I have put this in our life from the very beginning of our marriage. In fact, we had it before. Let me just young people, teenagers, college students, get this in your life now. It won't be hard later. Establish this now with the little money you have, your little penny, just put it in there. And, and then when you've got a lot of greenbacks, it's easier to let them go. You, you established this early. Steph and I established this at the very beginning of our marriage. And so we, we, we gave and, and God has protected us. In fact, God has blessed us. He has been true to his word. He's poured out more than I ever dreamed of. It's ridiculous. He, he wants to honor you as you honor him. So test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. 
and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Here's the deal. Maybe you don't care much about getting blessing for yourself. I doubt it, but let's just say that that's the case. Then do this for others. Do this for your children, parents, so that you'll have all you need so that they'll have all their need. Do it for your extended family so when they're in crisis, you have more than enough. Do it for your neighbors around you so when someone's hurting and broken, God's blessing and his protection's been on you so you say, I have more than I need so I can give to you. Do it for the poor in this city. So you're not thinking, you know, I can't feed my kids if I give to you, but you have more than enough because God has poured out his blessing. Because here's the deal. Blessed people bless people. You can fully erupt and clap. Blessed, blessed people bless people. And that's my desire for this church is that you'd be a blessed people so that you'd have everything you need so that you could be rich in good works to all those around you. Why don't we stand up? Here's what I know when we talk about finances is that there are people in this room that there is tremendous pain in your heart. Maybe it's from being a child and not having enough. And you had the pain of being hungry. Or you had the, the, the anxiety of not knowing where you were going to live. And maybe there's people in here that you've gone through a divorce because of financial anxiety. And so you're wounded in your heart. Maybe, maybe there's people in here that are carrying fear. Because of finances, there's anxiety. And you keep looking at your bank account and you don't know how you're going to make it. And today, we want to pray that God puts a shield around you. And, and, and you'd think the fitting way to, to actually end this sermon would just to say, okay, let's pass the buckets again. We're, we're not going to do that. Because I, I don't want you to respond to something I've said. I want your hearts to be touched by the living God. That you'd believe His word. So I, I want to ask my leaders to come down forward right now because we want to take some time to pray for you. Leaders, just go ahead and start coming. Our life group leaders, our staff, different ones, start coming forward. If, if you felt vulnerable, if you've had a hard time, if you have an area of brokenness in your life, and maybe it's not even just finances, maybe it's health. Or maybe you're like Jessica that you say, you know, I, I didn't come in believing in God, but I'm just checking it out for the first time. But you know what? As I was in worship, I felt God's presence. As you were speaking that word, there was something inside of me that wanted that. I, I, I want to know God. I want to give you one of these books today. It's called Knowing Jesus is Lord. And one of our prayer partners wants to pray with you to commit your life to Jesus. And then for some of you today, it's just, it's, it's a day of decision. And maybe you need to come up and stand before the Lord. You don't even need to get anyone to pray for you. You need to grab your spouse and come up and stand in the front. You need to get down on your knees and say, today is the day where I'm crossing that line and I'm establishing the foundation of honoring God with my finances. So will you just pray with me? Right now, Lord, all over this room, there's so many things that you're wanting to do. There's people right now that even as we talked about finances, they felt tremendous anxiety in their heart. And we just speak peace. Be still to that storm inside of them. 
You're so much bigger. You're so much greater. And you want to put a supernatural shield around us. Oh, we might not always know what's going on. There might be ups and downs, but we can look and say, no, my God will be my shield. You will prevent the devourer from destroying my life in this area. So, Lord, we're praying for those people, everyone that needs to make a decision for Christ. Let them be bold to step out, come forward, receive prayer. People that need healing in their bodies, Lord, we're asking that you touch them today. Lord, you see the needs of your flock, of your people today. And we ask that you'd meet them in these last couple moments we have. You just boldly start coming forward. Whatever prayer you need, the Bible says draw near to, to God, he'll draw near to you. Just start boldly coming forward. And let's just agree with you in prayer. Let's just take these last couple minutes to do business with God.